We are all children of the universe, not just Earth or Mars or this system, but the whole grand fireworks. And if we are interested in Mars at all, it is only because we wonder over our past and worry terribly about our possible future. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh yeah, baby. Ray Bradbury. Yes, Ray Bradbury of Mars and the Mind of Man. 1973. What a year. What an unbelievable year that was. Is that before you were born? Yeah. And after I was born? Was you were f- in the, what were you, were you 59, 58, 59? <laughs> 73 represents the, the first year in a long time since man mm. had not been on the moon. Ooh. And we haven't been since 1973. Since that, 1972, in fact, we haven't been on the moon. When's your, when's your prediction, Matt, and when we'll be back? You're good at predictions. I don't see us being, I don't see a human being setting foot on the moon bet- before 2030. What That's about my... a non-human being? <laughs> well, tardigrades, yeah. I see them being on the moon quite soon. Or bacteria. We brought them or, up in our last or, podcast. You know. Shout yeah, out tardigrades. Shout out tardigrades. Whee! They are survivors, aren't they? Yeah, more so than the band Survivor. Yeah, the irony. Mm. Yeah, did you know that there's tardigrades in the Eye of Tigers? Yeah. I, I just then pictured Rocky running up the stairs. No, oh, nice. Oh, in the film, not just, you know, just a random staircase that would be weird i jamie did, did you see the new the week the news the news this week i thought before we start our program about yeah. mars following <laughs> on from venus yeah. did you see that dr nicola fox is now the new science person head of NASA. science shout yeah. out nikki fox unbelievable Nick. what a post that is yeah so matt tell me what she's gonna be in charge of she is gonna be in charge well she's the head of science so that's like things like earth's weather a bit of support for astronauts on the way to the moon. And the small job of overseeing, you know, the hundred missions that NASA are going to go on. Yeah, yeah, and a bit of, uh, you know, the search for extraterrestrial life, perhaps. That would be my favourite gig. But what she is, she's like, uh, she she knows literally everything under the sun. In other words, she's a heliophysicist. What about over the sun? Well, yeah. Now that that's uh, yeah, now that there's a, a spacecraft that's about to go over the poles, then maybe she'll know everything over the sun and under the sun. <sighs> Damn. Um, but yeah, but but what I thought was really cool is that the new head of science, and you can tell just about by her accent, is actually English. Get out of town. No, she's actually English. So NASA's new head of science is from Hitchin, and uh, yes. God save us. Oh, gracious. King. King. Oh, weird, weird, weird. weird. Um, yeah, so uh, she He's went got to... big fingers, isn't he? So, like... <laughs> like, um, like Helen Sharman, who, <sighs> I, who I've interviewed in this very room. With who? With you. Yeah. yeah Don't yeah. ever forget me again. No, no. I should be ahead no, of everyone. No. no. But <laughs> She but, was probably our, one of our... That's got to be in our top five, isn't it? Oh, she yeah, was no. so lovely. Oh, she was one of the... What, brilliant. She went, She was, of course, Imperial College. Who else went to Imperial College? Oh, go on. Brian May. Oh, yeah. Him. Lots of 
Well, lots of people went to Imperial College. It's a, it's a bit of a cool place. Guess who didn't go to Imperial College because he thought it would be too silly and too much like his hero, even though he had a place. Oh, go on. Me? Oh, uh, God. Don't. Think uh, of what could have been. Don't. Um, anyway, so uh, she got her... Uh, not only did she get a degree at Imperial, she got her PhD in Imperial. So, yeah. And she also... Studied at the University of Surrey, so she's so she went to so she's lived in Guildford, along where where I currently live. She right really now. is stalking you. So she, yes, in some ways she's kind of reverse stalking me in in time. If we were <laughs> somehow separated by some kind Nikki, of if you're weird to time this, and alternate universe, we don't really think you're stalking me. But anyway, well done, well done. Well, that's congratulations. Such, that's such cool news. Um, not that the fact that she's English, of course, that's got nothing to do with it. But but, but congratulations. Dr. Nikki Fox. Unbelievable. So anyway, Jamie, Mars. Oh, the red planet. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about Mars. <laughs> I mean, what would you like to know? I would want to know, what is it about Mars that, that fires up the human imagination? That's a big question, isn't it? That is a big question. Do you think it's what, like when we looked up in the night sky and there's mm. like one of the brightest objects... Yeah, that is, dis- that is a distinctly different colour. It from is the very other distinctly stars. different. I mean, even yeah. though there's Betelgeuse and and a few other reddishy tinged stars, yeah, Mars is pretty bright, isn't it? it and, is and, bright, and it's absolutely obviously like red. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. So it must have fascinated, and it moves around in a very weird way. It has retrograde kind of like movement and stuff. So. That must have been surprising for our ancestors. So, so Mars, as always, must have been super fascinating. Oh, by the way, did you see Venus and Jupiter almost touching each other in the night Absolutely sky? Absolutely amazing. What a week. Yeah, that was... For J and V. For J and V, yeah. One's about 100 million miles away and the other is about 500 million miles away at the moment. Mm. It's quite far. It's quite far. You couldn't just pop in, could you? No. You did you won- get your telescope out? I didn't get my telescope out. No. I just enjoyed it for its pure natural just glory it as it was. Yeah, yeah, it was very bright and very, very cool. Well, but Mars was up there as well. Mars is up, up in the night sky. Well, you said something there that's quite interesting because you said it's very bright and very cool. The conditions you need, bright as in bright, clear skies, mm-hmm. and very cool. That's how you could see it. Oh, I see. That's the conditions to need needed to see it. Needed to see it, but, and then you thought it was very uh, bright. No, I thought you were then going to say that's the sort of conditions you could have on a planet that would be good for life. OMG. OMG. So maybe that's another reason why Mars has, has kind of been a, a, a point of fascination. I reckon so. Is that people yeah. have thought, oh my God, what, what if there's other humans living well, on, on, on Mars or something t- like a human living on Mars. Well, you've touched upon something there because I know that last time we went back to how much goes back to science fiction as well and the books that were written about, you know, Martians and Fat- the, the fascination uh, in, in, you know, in Hollywood's obsession with, uh, with Mars and well, it's not Well, it's not that long ago mm. that people thought that they could see canals on Mars. Yeah. And it turned out, obviously, just to be the veins in their eyes. <laughs> yes. But it's like, or, or that's what they think. But it's but it's not that long ago since the Viking mission sort of went, oh, no, there is no canals. There's no, there's nothing, really. It's, it's actually the disappointment of those early spacecraft that went out 
But Matt, we'll get onto this later because yes, we there will. almost certainly was water on Mars. Oh, absolutely. Well, so do you want to do you want to hear about how Mars formed? Let's Jen? have a rundown. So this is the rundown. This is what this is the very quick run through of Mars formation. 4.5 billion years ago or thereabouts. So that's the formation of the solar system. And we pretty much, we think that Mars started forming at the, at the beginning of the solar system. That sounds like a stupid sentence because you think, well, of course Mars started to, was formed at the beginning of the solar system. But it may not have been. But not it may all not, of them were. It may not have been because it may have been captured. It might be a, a rogue planet that's been captured by yeah. our solar system. Very unlikely, though. I think that's a, a pretty unlikely scenario. But it could have been. So, yeah, all that dust and rock like flying around the sun that hasn't become part of the sun itself... Not much material left over from the sun's creation, but all that is left over, sort of all the little eddies in that mm. spiralling disc become little bits of planetesimals and they all bash into each other and it's become... word, that. Yeah. No. Like slightly bigger and bigger and eventually you get more and more bigger rocks and, and then eventually you get planets. When does an atmosphere arrive? Ooh. Pray tell. I think that's like, so you get this massive ball of very, very hot rock after all, it's been smashing together and eventually it all stops smashing together and then it can, it's allowed to cool down. And lots of the kind of gases that are being released, including water vapour that's been trapped in, what, in... Sorry to stop you, but what was mad there is when you said gases, it almost I sounded did, like you had a bit I of did, gas I did yourself. have a little bit of gas What's myself, that called yeah. when you, you say the word and, the, and then something happens to you similar to the word? Maybe there isn't one. Uh, it's got to be synesthe- some form of synesthesia. Well, that's if there it. are any doctors listening. But yeah, yes, if you can write in with the word that says Matt shouldn't have, <laughs> Matt shouldn't have tried to attempt to do a podcast just after, after eating. After drinking some Fanta. <laughs> after drinking oh, Fanta and eating. Out Fanta. Will we get some free Fanta if we shout out? Yes, hashtag Fanta. Hashtag Fanta. I really Please. enjoyed my Fanta. Yeah. Brilliant, orangey and bubbly. before before performing any podcast, I always drink. Yeah, it. yeah, <laughs> can of thunder. Uh, so yes, gases escaping into and but but the gases, of course, are held down by gravity, and and that kind of becomes the Martian atmosphere, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And Matt, I know that one of our favourite bands is Heavy Bombardment. <laughs> when did when did that start creeping in? Well, that's uh, yeah, that's another stage of the. Um, we could go a little bit deeper and we can name these uh, geological moments in Mars's history. So you have really three, the Noachian, the Hesperian and the Amazonian. Oh. Right, right. But, but there is a sort of pre-Noachian. I'm, mm. I'm pretty certain that's not how you pronounce that word, by the way. Noachian. Let's let's say let's say three or four different types, and then we'll edit the right. Noachian, 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 Noachian. <laughs> the pre-Noachian. You will almost certainly get cancelled for that. It, it, yes, it, it's there's no evidence of this pre-Noachian uh, period. Mm. I'm going with pre-Noachian. Yeah, there. let's stick uh, with it. Uh, it's there's no there's no evidence for it, but that is 4.5 to 4.1 billion years ago. Formation of Martian crust. Mm-hmm. Then you've got like high rates of impact, the heavy bombardment, everything yeah. smashing into it. Very uh, violent time. Yeah, that's the creation of the Northern Lowlands or the Vastelas Borealis, as it's known. Wasn't that a Dire Straits song, the Northern, <laughs> Northern Lowlands? Something like that. Uh, or, no, isn't it um, Bob Dylan? Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, and then Southern Highlands. 
it's not, not to be confused with the Scottish Southern Islands. Yeah. Initial dense atmosphere cooling down and a possible emergence of water on the surface and possibly the emergence of life. So that's 4.5 to 4.1 billion years ago. That's a big question. Now, of course, there, there, there is that whole hypothesis that maybe life took root on Mars first and through panspermia oh, yes. reached Earth. And so, really, we're all Martians. It could be that we're all Martians. So that's n- really not that unplausible. Do you remember when Implausible? we started Un- talking about panspermia mm-hmm. and then I went and bought a book about it? There's a photo out there of me reading panspermia. Oh, yes. Back in the days when I didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't oh, have dear. a girlfriend, no, Jamie. It's don't true. lie. It's true. Uh, uh, yeah. And then... Noachian, obviously that comes after the pre-Noachian. A a bit like the Bend Gardens comes after the pre-Bend Gardens. It makes sense. Uh, So that's named after the Noachis Terror, or the Noachis Terror. And that is where you get your heavy bombardment, asteroids and comets. So that is like this crazy time in in the solar system where one of the big planets is moving around and disturbing the comets in Mm. the uh, out there and and creating havoc basically and and everything coming in and crashing in yeah and so we're not not a great period in in but actually i suppose it is a great period because lots of that is bringing water and lots of new chemicals and things like that down onto the surface are you saying that you can't make an omelet without breaking some mars rocks yeah that do you know what it's a very very apt yeah very very apt that uh creation of hellas isidus and Aigira basins, large-scale volcanic activity. So, like, Mars is, like, going completely uh, mental. Uh, (laughs) Like, 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 you know, you've got the whole kind of volcanic thing going on. But the tragedy of Mars's history at this point in in the Noachian period is the magnetic field shutdown. The GMFSD. If you want to, if you want to initialize it, well, it's, it's been a while since we've done it. Yeah, I'd it like is, to bring it, it back. It is a GMFSD, <laughs> the global magnetic, the global magnetic field shutdown. It's a mouthful, but one I like. Um, yeah, so those those habitable environments, if there were any, are getting smaller and smaller. Then we move into the Hesperian period, which is three point seven to two point nine billion years ago, mm. and that's named after Hesperia Planum. Uh, and there's the, the the whole lower lowering of impacts is happening now, so the solar system is is calming down somewhat. The planets aren't kind of moving through a crazy rock filled solar system. They're now moving through pretty much empty space as they make their journey around the sun. Extensive sulfate deposits and water emissions. Yeah, oh, that's, that's quite sad, really. Well, no, that's a good thing. Oh, come on, have you smelt sulfur? <laughs> yeah, but maybe Mars was the stinky planet. I think I think we have to rename it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got valley networks because the, the climate was getting colder. Then there would have been ground ice and water erupted onto the surface, causing these catastrophic floods. Mm. And then these formation of outflow channels and chaotic terrains and... Uh, reshaping of the Valles Mari- Marineris. Mm-hmm. So these are all the places that anyone familiar with Mars exploration and the maps of Mars will sort of recognise all these places and all the getting, or, yeah. or, and how they got made, or how geologists think they got made. Right. 
And then there's the Amazonian period. My favourite. 2.9 billion years ago to the present day, named after the Amazonis Planitia. Now, you'd think that's where uh, Jeff Bezos would want to land. Yeah. Um, Relative absence of large-scale geological and climate changes. So it's like, it's pretty much a dead rock whizzing around the uh, It's pretty chill compared to the the chaos of before. Or the chaos of Earth and its Mm. biology and everything that's happening on Earth. Um, Dry and arid surface... Maybe some short-lived, warmer, wetter conditions, but pretty much pretty rubbish. The atmosphere's really thin now. Maybe the polar ice ice caps get a little bit of melting, but probably not too much. A little bit of extensive resurfacing of the northern lowlands. But there is still some big volcanoes. Pretty big. What's the biggest volcano in the solar system, Jamie? Olympus Mount. (laughs) Olympus Mons. Is that right? Olympus Mons. 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 Olympus Mons. So, yeah. And then, you know, so that's all that kind of stuff is happening in the, in this final period, the Amazonian How period. many Mount Everests is Olympus Mons? It's quite a lot, isn't it? Quite a lot. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. All I remember is the base of Olympus Mons is the size of France. I always imagine that we'd have a producer that we could just say, can you just look that up? Well, I mean, and then they'll, we, and then we they'll kind tell of do us. it. I mean, we could, we, I mean, we, we've got like, OK, ourselves. Google. Probably don't need to employ some of that. <laughs> it has a very different story to um, Earth. Mm. But how do we know all this stuff? Well, I'd like to know. How do we know all this stuff, Jamie? Do you think it's through Google? Through Google. <laughs> yeah. It's all two shout-outs. Sc- how ace is it to be a scientist? Like... Ever since science began, all you had to do was just go, OK, Google, and it would tell you the answer. Yeah. So that, I think that's how Isaac Newton did it. It's basically what he did. He just went, OK, Google, Yeah. what is gravity? Exactly. Everyone talks about the apple. It's rubbish. According to Wikipedia, uh. in physics, gravity is a fundamental interaction which causes mutual attraction between all things with mass or energy. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. So you see, that's what, that's, what, that's what becomes of you if you keep saying, OK, Google. It's off again. Okay, Google, how tall is Olympus Mons? According to Mars Exploration, Multimedia, Olympus Mons is a shield volcano 624 kilometres in diameter, 25 kilometres high, and is rimmed by a 6 kilometres high scar. 25 kilometres high? That's high. That is high, isn't it? Yeah. That's higher than Kanye right now. What what do you think the first um, attempted Mars flyby? What year do you reckon that is? Attempted Mars flyby. I'm going to say sixty three. Ooh, sixty two. Oh come on, sixty two. Yes, yeah, Sputnik twenty two, and Mars one, and Sputnik twenty four. They all um, tried to go past um, Mars. All failed. Damn it. Because <laughs> they uh, they kind of got, they lost contact. Contact lost. Contact lost. Um, but there's been loads of Mariners and Cosmos and Mars 2s. And of course, in 1975, the Viking missions, Mars Orbiter and Lander in 1975 and Viking 2 in ni- uh, in, also in 1975, the day before my birthday. Uh, so that is, yeah, amazing. The, the, the Vikings are 
still one of the the greatest things that have ever pretty good left and gone off and then you've got the mars orbiter to 2001 mars odyssey what do you think that's named after oh wow it's quite a cool one isn't it it's mars pretty orbiter. cool yeah uh mars express of course then the spirit rover then the opportunity rover those first two genius little rovers in 2003 mm. uh the mars reconnaissance orbiter the phoenix with the mars scout lander and then phobus grunt I mean, didn't get that's anywhere. great, isn't it? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, disaster. And of course, um, Curiosity. Yep. 2011. The uh, Indians managed to get a Mars orbiter out there. There's the Maven mission. Insight, which recently got sh- to, uh, finished its mission. That was... 2018. 2018. And of course, that's, that's, one, uh, that's a lander that's trying to be measuring geological activity like earthquakes and and things like that mm. on on Mars so loads of science with that united arab emirates even got hope chinese got the tinwan tianwen and of course one of the one of the one of my favorite <coughs> missions ever ever is perseverance perseverance beautiful perseverance and watching we watched it on the discord and everyone watched the landing on the discord and can you remember jamie that there was a secret message written in the parachute. I do remember that, but I don't remember what the message was. It was something like a he who dares, dare to dare, or dare mighty things. Lovely. Dare mighty things. So that that is one of the coolest little Easter eggs because they knew they had some cameras on the, on the landing and that, that, we, that people would see the parachute open up and it's written in binary code, the orange and between Amazing. the orange and the white. And it didn't. It took about an hour after the photo was released for some clever guy to work out what the binary code Talk meant. Out. It was a guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You posted uh, dare mighty things. Brilliant. Uh, but still, one of my favourite things is the um, is the parachute material is made by like a really small company based in Tiverton in Devon. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And they made this very, very high-velocity uh, nylon um, for the parachutes because they've got to open up at ridiculous speeds. It's like it's so. We've got that, nuts. and we've got Nicky Fox. Nicky Fox, it's a big episode for England. Big, big, big episode. It for is England. big. Yes, We're not even yes. finished yet. Yeah, you know, just to make up for the disaster of, of the Virgin Orbit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's not talk <laughs> about that. Uh, yes, um, and of course, uh, of course, well, there is a downside. Of course, there was Exo Mars mm. that that missed its window of opportunity because of, weirdly, because of parachutes. Hmm. They couldn't quite get the parachutes to work, so they missed that uh, 2020 window. Hmm. Now, the disaster with that is it was a sort of European Space Agency and the Russians. I can't see us mending our relationships with the Russians any time soon. That really is horrible for ExoMars. I mean, there's this perfectly brilliant... Mars rover that should have flown in 2018, really, then didn't go in 2020, and now doesn't look like it will go in 2024 either. Mm. Disaster. Damn it. So anyway, so, so um, yeah, the Mars rovers, I guess, is where all the kind of action is. And um, the Mars rovers, in terms of a lot of that science we were talking about earlier, they are the things that... Um, 
that brought back some of the scientific evidence for loads of things that we've just said. So things like evidence of water. Well, the hematite, right? Yeah, hematite. Hematite, hematite, hematite. Hema? hematite. Let's yeah, call that... the whole thing off. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was. But it that's was... exciting, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so that was that was opportunity, wasn't it? Typically formed in water. It is. But I think the downside of hematite is that that's like acidic water. Mm. So that means if it is acidic water, that's the type of life that yeah. you have on Earth, maybe not so viable. Mm. But then not I don't see... Not great for... I always think about those things. You always get extremophiles that can pretty much exist in any conditions, it seems. So yeah. it, it it kind of... I, I never see things like that. While there's water, it's pretty obvious that you can you can have life, I reckon. Yeah. as we know it, carbon-based life. Spirit found rocks that were ten times richer in magnesium and iron carbonates than thought, and so that means that there were, probably was a very warm and wet environment uh, that would have been very favourable for life on Mars. Mm. Warm and wet. Uh, also found silica, um, which which is from hot springs and steam vents, another place where they think life started on Earth. Sounds that quite of... Icelandic. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of... And, and they think, you know, th- those kind of conditions are, are teeming with life on Earth. So that's like, hmm, that's, that's pretty... Strong, that's, that? that, that's a strong bit of evidence. Uh, opportunity found uh, bright-coloured veins in gypsum rocks. Again, more evidence of flowing water on the surface mm-hmm. of Mars. Uh, clay minerals, again, um, more evidence that the conditions were favourable for microbial life. Um, and, yeah, lots and lots of impact craters were, were studied. Opportunity managed to get to 100 impact craters. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, so op- Opportunity was just unreal. Matt, you could say that Opportunity had perseverance. Nice. Do you like that segue? I do like that segue. Perseverance, of course, is um, is Opportunity's slightly more capable sister, brother. What do you want to call it? Is that how people? Is that how you describe me when people are asking about both of us? Yeah, I say Jamie is slightly my, less capable, slightly brother. more capable brother. <laughs> oh, you said more. I oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Perseverance has got obviously loads more kind of well sort of upgraded equipment on board. Mm. But one of the things that it is going to do is try and leave samples, core samples that it's drilled out of the ground and leave them for collection later on to be rocketed back to Earth so that Earth's laboratories can have a look at it. Absolutely. Because it's got its own laboratory on board, but obviously it's fairly limited compared to a massive building on Earth that, that is full of yeah. scientists. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be better if you can get that back. So that really is considered one of the kind of main objectives now uh, by NASA and ESA is to do this sample return. It's like it's absolutely massive. So that was. Do we eight... know how they're planning to do that? Yeah. So there, there's, a, there's a kind of. Um, in fact, we've detailed it in a previous episode of, of how they were going to do it. But essentially, yes, there's a. There's a uh, Perseverance is going to leave the, the vials around it, at these uh, depots. And in fact, in February, uh, it, it actually completed the Three Fork Sample Depot. So it's this place where it's actually created a place where you can 
where this uh, an, uh, a Mars landing vehicle can go land and collect these samples. Hmm. And then that will then collect a bunch of samples, put them in a little rocket. That rocket will fire up into the, into the Martian orbit, meet a return vehicle that will then dock with it and take it back to Earth. That's cool, isn't it? It is very cool. Very and cool. and you've got to admit, that does sound pretty tricky as well. Yeah, it's not that easy yeah, it's, to it accomplish. Re- it really isn't. So that 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 <laughs> is uh, uh, in collaboration with the European Space Agency. As in, it's so big and so difficult, it's NASA and ESA have decided to club together to actually do that. So that includes uh, a sample fetched by the rover, then a Mars Ascent vehicle, the MAV, to be used for the retrieval. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you bung thirty tubes up into um, up into back up into orbit uh, for Mars liftoff, and then that's taken back to Earth. Crazy, isn't it? For Absolutely to, to sort incredible. of parachute back down onto some bit of land. Imagine to be receiving those samples, like the excitement if you were the one in the lab. Oh well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the Japanese have, uh, you know, and the Americans have achieved this with with asteroids. Mm. You know, sort of going near them, bashing down, firing bullets, scoop, into them. yeah, scooping up bits of rock, and then coming back and landing really precisely somewhere to be collected. I mean, I actually think about things like that and go, it's actually incredible. I think we. We shared a lot of text messages when they fired a bullet into an asteroid. <laughs> yeah, like, fired, fired a great big mass in and go, it's yeah. Like, surely can't be safe to do that in space. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and their results are coming. I mean, that one of that part of that mission was to see if we could kind of do anything about an asteroid hitting Earth right. by, by bunging a great big rock at it. Hmm. But the sample return ones were even cooler and the fact that the, the satellite went down and kind of just scooped a bit without kind of getting itself lodged onto the asteroid and... And then coming back to with a bit it's of ridiculous. Yeah, it, we it, still it, need to invest in our asteroid mining company, Matt. Yes, we no, probably absolutely. just need a few hundred billion. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I think that asteroid mining thing is is further away than slowed down a bit. In, yeah, I think it's further. Everyone's realised it's a little bit further away than people just got excited saying there's a three billion pounds uh, worth of metal yeah, in a tiny there asteroid. There might be, but it'll it'll cost you four billion pounds yeah, to go and to get go and it. So it's like until the technology improves, then you know, it's uh, calm it's down gonna, everyone. It's, it's gonna calm down. Everybody just calm down. But yes, in April twenty twenty two, the United States National Academies released the Planetary Science Decadal Survey, which noted NASA's 2017 plan for a focused and rapid sample return campaign with the participation of ESA. The report recommends that the highest scientific priority of NASA's robotic exploration efforts should be completion of Mars sample return as soon as possible. So it really is the highest order of, we got to go do this, right? Priority. It's priority numero one. Now, not only did Perseverance land, but under its belly was stored a very, very tiny helicopter. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that little helicopter, guess how many flights it's done? Go on. 46. It's a lot. Yeah. So and that, since the 25th of February, 2023, as of that date, it has done 46 flights. So it's gone 10,000 metres, 10 kilometres in, in its various different hops. I think that's way more than they were expecting it to do. So when you say helicopter, 
Can you describe it a bit more to me? Yeah, it's imagine a little tiny drone. Yeah. But it's actually it's one of those helicopters that's got one blade that, that goes one way and another blade that goes the other way. Right. But the blades are actually really, really big because the atmosphere is very, 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 very thin. So to actually use a helicopter on Mars, you're kind of at the point where it's almost impossible, mm. but somehow there's just enough atmosphere for it to kind of work in, but it has to be ridiculously light. So I think it's something like 1.5 kilograms, this thing. And obviously that, that contains the motor, contains all the scientific instruments, it contains the battery, Gosh, it's got the solar panel. It's got to be so light. Yeah, and, 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 and this thing also had to sort of fold down underneath the Perseverance rover. And, and yes, that's that. A, there's a freaking helicopter on, so cool. on Mars. And, and, you know, that, it's, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's ridiculous. So the highest altitude it's achieved so far is 14 metres. So that's 46 feet for those working in imperial measurements. Mm -hmm. It can go about six metres a second. That's 13 miles an hour. So like a cycle, that, you know, that's a sort of reasonably paced cyclist kind of speed. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, the total flight time for the 46 flights has been 79 minutes. Do you want that in seconds, Matt? Do it. I can do it for yeah, you do if it, you want. It. Yeah, go on. 4,765. Nice. Not even reading that. You just did it in your head. It's quite special, isn't it? I actually think the, the most incredible thing is its longest flight so far hmm. is about 700 metres. That's that's just a little short of half a mile. And he did that on 161 seconds. Yeah. That's a, that, that is a, like there's something flying around on Mars. And the, the best thing about the helicopter is that it, it's it's picking out places that you can go and investi investigate. Mm. So, like, the annoying thing about Perseverance is on the ground, it's quite hard for it to kind of look, even though it's got its little cameras on its, on a kind of crane bit above, mm. above the body, it can't really see where it wants to go next and what looks interesting. Whereas this helicopter can sort of fly around and go, oh, that looks pretty interesting. There's no camera on it, is there? On the helicopter? On the helicopter. Yeah, there is. Is there video footage of yeah, this thing? Of course there is. What? Yeah, there's vid not only is there video footage on the camera, but there's also video footage from Perseverance as well, looking at Oh Perseverance I've seen, but I don't know if I've seen any from the yeah, yeah, from yeah. the copter. Mm. How have I missed that? I don't know. Because I've been writing music and not doing the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So cool. It it can go and look for these different um these you know different places all around so it, it's without a doubt one of the coolest things ever isn't it funny I, in my mind i imagine someone in nasa hq just very geekily operating that drone helicopter on like a, a ps5 remote i'm sure <laughs> it's not that though <laughs> well no i mean that of course that's the thing the the it it takes minutes and minutes and minutes. So the all of its flights, it has to do itself. Mm. So you sort of say, we, you know, ground the ground will sort of send it a message saying, we want you to do this flight. But the helicopter itself has to make all its own decisions as it's flying. So that's, you know, one of the cool sort of cool technologies of it. Very cool. So in fact, it's ingenious. In fact, the helicopter itself is called Ingenuity. Well, there you go. 
ingenuity. And of course, you know, it's the first ever object that has flown on another planet. Yeah, which should be celebrated. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what what an absolute what a legendary piece of equipment that is. Um, what do you think if they build another rover? What do you think it should be called? We've had opportunity and we've had perseverance. What do you think would be next? We've had Franklin, haven't we? Yeah, well, Franklin Not on Mars, but no, well, well yeah, no, on, well, Franklin is the one that's supposed to go to Mars, but is just boxed up because of the Russians. Uh, which is a bit gutting for you, I have to say. Cheers, Vlad. <laughs> You've been literally stitched up there. Yeah, I mean... I can't believe the podcast was so people. popular at one point that they named the Mars rover after you. I know, and then they stopped when I I guess left. they thought that when they were going to build a better one, they were going to call it the Russell. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's inevitable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think the next one would be called? If, Na- if NASA had another... Another rover, what would you think it would be called? Ooh. I posted on Instagram what I thought it would be called. And what did you think? I think it would be called Endurance. Endurance. Because they're, they're I... all supposed to represent kind of uh, things that that say something about humans. I would say Tenacity. Tenacity would be quite the a Tenacity good one. The Tenacity Rover. The Tenacity Rover. I like that, but isn't isn't uh, that's too much like Perseverance. Don't you think? Yeah, don't true. Do you think true. it's the same? Do we get any word? ideas from any uh, any of our listeners? Well, you know that perseverance w- was actually was actually chosen by the public, so it was someone wrote oh, in right. and, and they they called it perseverance, like Boaty McBoatface, like Boaty. It, <laughs> it was a competition that didn't go as bad <laughs> as uh, Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah, so that in well, I'm just going to find shout out Sir David Attenborough. But yes, I think so. This is my the little, greatest living so this, David. Yeah, it, my prediction. Here we go. Is that the next rover will be called Endurance, even if it goes to the public vote? They'll just pick out the one that called it Endurance. If they do call it Endurance, are you going to sue them for some money? Mm, no, because we've got it on record now. No, it's kind no. of too much of an obvious thing. A bit like discovery or like, well, I said it first. No, actually, we've been talking about this for years. We we decided that a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, maybe maybe we'll, we'll prove it in yeah, a court we'll, of law. Yeah, we'll bring it up. We'll bring it up when it is called that. Yeah. What do you reckon? I mean, look, we're players. We know people from NASA, right? <laughs> so anyway, we sent robots, Jamie. Mm. But what should we be sending? Humans. Humans. Back to humans with robots. Bodies, With you know, like in Terminator when he cuts his arm open and there's a wires inside. Yeah, that's who we should be sending up, but less violence, more scientific. Scientific Terminators. That's what I'm saying. Nice, good idea, bad idea. No, I like it. As Not in... the T1000. I'm talking good. When Arnie was good. When Arnie was good. He was he was force of good for the world. He wasn't ripping. You know, in the first one when he goes into the. motorcycle cafe Mm. he rips someone's heart out cool scene then he nicks his motorbike and jacket by the way how big would that guy have had to have been yeah yeah i always think and it fit him really well and his even his jeans see that that would be the annoying thing for arnold schwarzenegger to be arriving naked would be 
I'm, I'm finding it really difficult I to find to clothes. Into, I need to look into this. Maybe it's an okay Google thing. I shouldn't <laughs> say that. But I'm calling bullshit that that guy's... I, I think they had I, another I, pair. I, that they, that I got a weird fact in my head. I think that Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point mm. had the world record chest measurement. Really? Yeah, it's something ridiculous. So I think you, I'm calling you, I, I think you might be right on that. But Arnie yeah. to find yeah. any clothes that fit him during the filming of Terminator, I think would have been difficult. I think they had to, yeah, they had to get his own clothing. Well, it was proved in, in the film Twins with Danny <laughs> DeVito, where if you remember, <laughs> yeah. he tries on someone's shirt and then he flexes his arm. And the shirt rips and the, the, the girlies with sort of swoons, mm. which is what happened to me on my first date. <laughs> nice. Um, um, yeah, so, um, Jamie, what are the... Going to Mars, why, why did you say we should send robot humans and not humans? What are the top four risks going to Mars for, Ooh, for well, humans? Well, there's some big risks. I think we need to shout out radiation as a first one. I actually reckon? think radiation is the, is, the, is the one, isn't it? Yeah. It's bad, isn't it? It's proper bad. How it's, bad would it be, Matthew? I think, because you can almost think of it as, imagine walking through a room that's just got bullets going through it all the time. Yeah. And the bullets are, okay, they're very small, but they're still there. Mm. So you, basically space isn't empty at all. It's got very fast bullets of bullets of protons and maybe even bigger parts of atoms as well as as that and yeah. like flying around can't be good for you at very high speed i mean speed. they say that in space no one can hear you scream but you'd you'd hear me yeah so if i if that happened to me the thing about it is you don't feel it as the proton goes through you because it's too tiny but it can do things like smash into your dna it can like ruin structures like your eyeballs and stuff like that and it's so eventually it's really snidey isn't it it's yeah. kind of like it's a bit... It's gross. Basically, you're sort of being turned into a sieve. <laughs> and yeah. you, you're bound to get cancer, cardiovascular disease. Mm. Uh, and, and the worst thing is it does to your brain as well. So there's, it's, it's like there's these weird things where maybe your brain function and you start to get mental health problems because you're basically being bombarded by micro bullets all the time. It's better ways to die, isn't there? Hmm. There is what better ways to die. What would your preference be? Um... For the uh, just for your own death. For my own death, would my spacecraft to be hit to by go. an alien laser? It's, it does. It sounds quick. No, no, like so. You cool know, way to go, though, isn't it? Like, how like, did Matt die? Oh, he he was alien trying. Space yeah, laser. he was trying to fire a rocket down a small hole in the Death Star, and 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 Darth Vader blew his blew his X wing up. And you That's were already a far pretty, cooler way to you die. You were already pretty good at it because you were yeah. used to shooting womp rats. Right? Yeah. I was really, yeah, I was really good at womp rats on my home planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, God. yeah, so that, that's a cooler way to die. It's pretty cool. It is a it's cooler way cool. to die. Um, there's also this space flight associated neuroocular syndrome, Oof. which is basically, yeah, what they've noticed on the space station that your eyesight basically goes proper downhill very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, there's behavioral health and performance. So, as you're stuck in a tin can with a couple of people mm. for months on end disaster you go you just go mental and of course you got to take loads of food and nutrition well, like mars there's, there's nothing on mars and there's nothing in your spaceship 
It's like, how do you get around that? Yeah. Which is why I don't see anyone being on Mars until way past the 2050s. And the worst thing about that is that is starting to get into dicey territory about whether I'm ever going to see it or not. Yeah, it you, is. You'll be all right for you, Jamie, because you're still young and sprightly, despite oh, that wish. gray. Despite oh, that grey in your beard. I know. Yeah, I paint that on. <laughs> try Just and be trying like to look me. more like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pu- oh. it's pushing it, isn't it? And um, you know, despite the uh, positive chat from um, you know other psychopaths like musk um, you know i just i just think yeah it's, it's a long way off because you know you can't you, you, how do you risk that you know who's going to go up with with that as a big question mark yeah you might get tiny bullets uh, fired at you for, uh, for the your duration yeah. some people have think, fun some people think oh yeah but loads of there'll be a brave person who'll be who'll risk it and it's like you might think that but can you imagine how grotesque it would be if nasa sent yeah. an astronaut and you watch them die. It would be. Should it'd be. Not, it shouldn't it'd be, be terrible. Like, it would be terrible because a they'd be a national hero. It'd be like sending off. You know, t- imagine if Tim Peake, and you know he's been on Blue Peter and a few mm. kids programs, and then you watch him slowly die you on have his. To explain on his, to the kids how the first yeah, human on Mars went over the met top. a grotesque like death. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's not going to happen, is it? So they, it's they're always going to try and do it so that it's there's a high chance that they'll survive. Yes. I mean, not a com- you know, I think they'll go with high risk, but not ridiculous risk. Hmm. And at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be a, a way of getting round like the high risk. We have talked before on the show about this opposition versus conjunction flight, hmm. about, you know, do you go to Mars directly and then stay on Mars until... Mars is near Earth and then hop off and go back to Earth again because there's only mm. certain windows that you can get to Mars. Six monthly or, or am I thinking? No, they're a couple of years, every, oh, really? every couple of years. Oh, so, yeah, this okay. is... Uh, and as Mars sort of comes back round and you can sort of take off and land on Mars and then you've got to wait on Mars for ages and then come back off it. And it, normally that's kind of like a three-year disaster. Yeah, it sounds a long time. Three to years is a long time and it's bombarded. like eight months in space a year and a half on the planet and then another eight months in space. Mm. It's like, that is a long time yeah. to be in hell, basically. Yeah. So, like, the men- the chances of your mental health being okay is, like... Uh, Pretty slim. Um, right. Yeah. Then there's the conjunction one. Uh, the, is it the... Con- no, the opposition one is the is the one where you sort of go via Venus. Yes. So you can you can sort of use Venus as a slingshot on the yeah. way there or on the way back. Mm-hmm. And that that basically shortens your journey a little bit because you're just using a giant planet and it's By how much? What would the rough ETA be there? I think it's like 270 days uh, shorter mission. I'll take it. And not only that, you get the chance to do a little bit of science around Venus. So you get two planets bang for your buck. I think that that's way more ideal somehow. It's economical. It is really economical. There's lots of other architecture, and we've on the podcast we have gone through the different Zubrin architecture or the SpaceX architecture of getting to Mars. But the I think the NASA one of going via Venus I think is the, the most feasible. But there was a bit of news this, um, this month about uh, NASA partnering up with the US Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or mm. DARPA, mm-hmm. as you DARPA. know it. Yep, yep. And they're working on thermonuclear rocket engines, nuclear thermal rocket engines in space. Show-offs. 
Now, although they have less thrust, they're far more efficient, so you don't have to take so much fuel and you can just keep blasting them. So actually, even though they've got less thrust, you can get, they've got more delta V, so you can get to places quicker, like Mars. So the development of nuclear rocket engines really might be the game changer mm. for a trip to Mars. Because if you can cut it from seven months down to, say, three months, that's a big deal, I reckon. It is a big that, that's, deal. It, yeah. that might be a paradigm shift. Yeah. That might be the game changer. Well, but we you could know, be there in May if we left now. Yeah. So Yeah. So but it's it's not very likely. It's still it still feels very far off. That it, it feels let like me down gently. Yeah, I think it's going to take some time for them to develop nuclear rocket engines. But mm. I actually think that's probably the only way we're really going to get in a position where we can go to Mars. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. Don't forget that, Matthew. We are standing on the shoulders of giants. And they did actually, the Russians and the Americans, were developing nuclear rocket engines hmm. back in the 60s and 70s. And it was going to be part of like the space shuttle architecture at one point. You would have the space shuttle getting stuff up into space and then mm -hmm. nuclear rockets uh, transporting things around the solar system. Brilliant never kind of panned out that way and they kind of abandoned that technology. But now they're going back to that technology. If if, if we'd stayed along that path, who knows where we would be right now. But Matt it, Damon knows. Matt Damon does know. Grow potatoes up there. You grow potatoes up there. You try yeah. and stretch out your you food. Out of, as long. Oh, how heartbreaking was it when he ran out of ketchup? Oh. That's the moment for me. Is it? I was like, you know, whatever else happens, be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Oh. No condiments. I love a condiment. Well, without condiments, I'm not, I was going to do a very silly joke then, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I think you should. No, I was going to do without condiments, then the world population would go up. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. See, see, see what I did? Yeah, but yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to edit that one out. Yeah. Oh, so keep it in. Keep it in. Um, uh, Jamie, so uh, we've kind of come to our, our the end of our journey to Mars. We've talked about we've talked about you know how Mars formed. We've talked about a lot. We've talked about like how Mars rovers have. We've talked about revolutionised the science yeah, through the ages. How ingenuity the helicopter has been like unbelievably successful. That we that mankind is flying a helicopter on the on the Martian planet. I think even ten years ago that would have seemed ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So maybe like a trip to Mars won't be that ridiculous. You know, we would have probably have, I would have poo pooed a helicopter on Mars ten years ago. You'll get kicked out for that. That's a £50 fine. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks very much for joining me again, Jamie. Absolute on this, pleasure like, as always. I'm really enjoying And we're going to get further away from Earth soon. Yeah. We're going to not stop talking about Venus. We're going to stop talking about Mars and head out into the rest of the solar system Ooh. for our space exploration. Finally, because I'm bored of this planet. I'm bored of this planet. I'm bored of the rocky ones. Yeah. Let's just get out into like into some exciting planets exactly. out there. Exactly. Third rock from the sun. So passe. Ugh. Where would you go, Matt, if you could? Um, in the solar system. In the solar system? Yeah, you could go for a day, chill out, take some photos and then come back. I would go to one of Jupiter's icy moons. Oh, yeah. you're just trying to flirt with me, aren't yeah, you? Because you know about my obsession with I Europa. Do know, and I might have some exciting news about juice. Stop it. Yeah. 
But I'll keep I'll keep you I'll keep you informed on that. Are you that. gonna say the ten mile sheet of ice on the top is actually ten centimetres and yeah. they can drill through it are, to and, find weigh-ins? Yeah. And they're sending you, Jamie. They, oh I've got God. I've got I've got your spacesuit ready and everything. This is huge news. Actually, you, you know, if you think it's difficult to get to Mars, I think you'll find it's gonna be yeah. very difficult to get a human out to the Jupiter's icy moons. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Imagine me up there. And the radiation near Jupiter is really quite horrible as well. It's pretty horrid, isn't it? Cool way to go, though, you know. Oh, my God. That you it? died of radiation on Europa. <laughs> I'd love that on a gravestone. Yeah, yeah. Here lies Jamie Franklin. Died observing the, the biggest storm in the solar system. Glory. <laughs> Got a black eye observing the red eye. <laughs> That's a T-shirt. Yeah, got the red-eye flight. Matt, mm. um, if people have enjoyed this podcast, I assume that there's a way that they can support the podcast a bit more. Uh, you can join us on the Discord. You can just, yeah, join Patreon. That's interplanetary forwards. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash interplanetary. I heard that the Discord for the Interplanetary podcast is where it's at. It is where is it's true? at. We talk about books. We talk about science fiction. We talk about uh, just general space news and little banter and stuff. And and we also do. We've also got lots of AI stuff going on in there as well because we we love a bit of mid journey and we love a bit of uh, Chat GPT. Oh, big time! Absolutely. We should do something about Chat GPT and Mars, shouldn't we? Like maybe we can put in like. Show me Mars, create an image of Mars in 3,000 years with a hu- with human population it's, living on there. It's funny you should say that. Oh, my God, you haven't done it already. No, I, I, I got ChatGPT to write me a song about Mars. And do you know, and do you know what's really cool about it? Go on. For some reason, it, it put the name of rovers in the verses. Check this out. Beyond the sky, beyond the stars, a new frontier await our skies await our scars. We've gazed at Mars from Earth below with curiosity and the thirst to know. The journey to the red planet, a quest for knowledge, a new adventure, will persevere, will conquer fears. With every step, we'll get closer, closer. With every mission, we learn and grow, our technology expanding in scope. The rovers roam, the landers touch down, discovering secrets yet to be found. I feel a bit lightheaded. Have I just signed you as an artist singing songs mm-hmm. about Mars? The journey to the red planet, a quest for knowledge, a new adventure. It's, it's, it's yeah. not, there's not going to be room for a yeah. second no, album, no, I'm sorry. No, so damn it. <laughs> Do you want to hear the outro? Yes, please. With every step. We'll reach new heights. With every dream, we'll spread our wings and fly. We are the explorers. We are the brave. Our journey to Mars will pave the way. Drop the mic. How about that? So, yes, ChatGPT wrote me a a song about the uh, journey to Mars. Maybe we should have that as the ending for for our future podcasts. Yeah. You know, just, you know, maybe a little roundup in a a lyric version. I like that. Yeah, that was the lyric version of the whole podcast, yeah. 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 Nice. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to go now. All right. See ya. Bye, 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 bye. Goodbye.